you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Uh, you know what? You may be seated. We'll get there in a second. Let me, uh, let me say happy Hanukkah to uh, all of you who are uh, practicing uh, the Jewish holidays. I say it that way because there's Christians that practice those holidays, and we certainly acknowledge them. How many of you know Jesus was a Jew? How many of you know that God revealed himself to Jews through the Hebrew language and, and uh, the time frames and the feasts and all of that are very important? We don't worship them. We worship God, but we do understand that he uh, has a time clock, and I believe his, his feasts are important. Now, the, the, uh, the menorah the, that was lit for eight days, let me, let me back up and say the, the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah, is a celebration of when, the, during the Maccabean Wars, how many of you know this history? It's history, you can go look it up, just... You know, Wikipedia is cute and everything, but it has a lot of misinformation, so you just want to be careful about that. It could be self-edited by Satan if he wanted to. So, you know, you just want to be careful that you bring all of that through a filter. But you can learn some things from there. <clears throat> the Maccabean War, I think it's Antiochus and Rome, um, really brought tremendous bondage to the Jewish people. In fact, went to... Um, really desecrate the temple and do all kinds of horrible things. So the Maccabees, Judah Maccabee led them, and they led a revolt. And uh, it seemingly, supernaturally, was able to push Rome out of uh, Jerusalem and uh, dedicate the temple, or cleanse the temple, and, and they found oil that was um, not contaminated because it was sealed, but it was only enough oil to burn in the lamp of the Lord for one day. But it lasted for eight. And that is what the celebration of Hanukkah is a celebration that God provided oil for one day, but it lasted for eight. The oil in Scripture is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Ghost. In fact, it's called clothed with power tonight, and I'm excited about it. But that's what that Hanukkah is all about, and uh, I'm sure there's so much more about it as a cursory overview. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Amen. And so you'll see menorahs burning. And I, I have a menorah in my house. And one year we lit, lit it every night and prayed and kind of had fun with that. And we're not doing that this year, but we are worshiping Jesus. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All right. And all of those things in the temple are types and shadows of the greater reality to come in the New Testament. And you can, in fact, study all the articles of the temple. They all have they all have meaning, all the feasts, and all this really absolutely uh, fascinating. And if you want to get into studying that and seeing how God, through the temple and the sacrificial system and all the holidays, it all points to Jesus, the Messiah, and how that ties into us uh, as most of us Gentiles, uh, born again, uh, but of course Jews who were completed Jews or Messianic Jews, some call them. Anyway, here we go. You ready? You can stand up now. Luke chapter 24, verse 35, pardon me, verse 36. Through 49, we do have notes for you. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And uh, I needed to hear that numerous times over the past week and speak it to others. And I preached on it on Sunday morning. How to walk in peace with God. A lot of people, you go over a rumble strip on the highway and people are, the jet goes by and you're like, hey, 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Everybody say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Verse 37. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet, verse 41. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? Verse 42. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. I just love that. He ate some broiled salmon or something. I, I don't think it was salmon, but he had broiled fish nonetheless. Verse 43. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Verse 44, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, which and the prophets and the Psalms, which I was just alluding to, by the way. All of the feasts, all of that, types and shadows, that's what Jesus is saying right here. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Let's read verse 49 in whatever version you got. You ready? All together. Ready, set, go. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. Let your power, your presence come and mark us right on the fleshly tablets of our heart. Pull out the heart of stone. Put in a heart of flesh. Release your power. May we never be the same because of what you do tonight. May the effects of this service be far-reaching even to an eternity. We thank and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. No doubt if you're in the valley when you had the earthquake, you lost power. We lost power. I told the story already. Um, I, I heard some hysterical stories that I am very tempted to tell, but uh, I will not tell them. Just a little bit too vulnerable for those you know, that were in the shower and then ran out, you know, and trying to find cover and got greatly embarrassed for fear, you know, couldn't find a towel and wasn't worried about a towel, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, there you are. Wait a minute. Hey. <laughs> okay. That didn't happen in my house. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I was on my phone and the earthquake hit. In fact, I was talking to one of our board members. I've told the story a number of times was talking to one of our board members, and we are talking about our amazing building that's across from Walmart, up from Sears, and it is designed to take as big as earthquake as can be dished, from the concrete all the way to the top. But it's not done yet, you know. But if you drive by it, it's massive. The steel is massive. It's called a superstructure. It's not just a steel building. It's a superstructure, and it's, it's significant and very well designed. So while I'm talking to our board member, explaining to him, and we're agreeing, yes, wow, yeah, you know, Alaska's a serious place. The roof's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be set for 165 mile an hour winds. 
I mean, that's, that's a hurricane. They call that windy in Alaska, but that's actually like hurricane status, tornadoes, you know. So our roof has to be designed for that because of where it is. We won't need any plows to plow our snow because the wind removes it all. Hallelujah. And, but we did design it so that when you're getting out of your cars and coming in, you know, it won't be as bad. It's designed to hold back some of, the, some of that wind. So we're talking about it. And I said, yeah, and besides, we get earthquakes. Now, when I finished saying that, no lie, no exaggeration, not five seconds later, not two seconds later, the, the second I finished saying earthquake, that, that shake began to happen, and man, did it shake. I had him on, had him on speakerphone already, and I just began to roar in my heavenly language, which might scare you if I did it right now. Because it was with authority and power, unabashed, full fire, everything I got, roaring in tongues with the board member on the phone, took a ride down the hallway, down the stairs, and I'm standing in the middle of my house, I'm like, ah, taking authority in the spirit. I have no idea what I was saying, but I will say that not one little trinket broke in my house. Now you say, well, I was doing that too, and I had a bunch of trinkets break. I know, I don't understand it all. I'm just saying, my testimony is zero broken. We had some things come off the walls, but nothing broke except a mirror that got kicked after, after the earthquake. It was, got broken by somebody kicking it, not me. Not Pastor Karen. And we lost power. We lost power. I don't like losing power. I've become accustomed to having electricity. We have electricity right now. I've been lots of, uh, lots of power outages. One, one man said to Alaskan, said to me, old, old sourdough said to me, you know why there's no looting in Anchorage when the power went out? There ain't nobody running around with big screen TVs and stealing from Walmart. And uh, you know why that is, son? I said, no, why? He says, because it's not L.A. Amen. <laughs> well, that's kind of amazing that we had no looting that, that I know of. Kind of amazing. But we did have no power, and during the time of no power, there was no gas. No gas stations were operating because they can't pump the gas. Our water, we had pressure in the pressure tank. But, I mean, we had no water coming from the, you know, from the, the pump, the well, pardon me. I mean, when you lose power, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Toilets, you know, they don't flush. If you go in commercial buildings, I mean, I remember Dr. Morocco saying that, he says, we will never again build a building with electronic faucets because when the, water, when the power goes out, you can't even wash your hands. You know, the ones that have these little readers where you blow dryers, hand dryers, so on and so forth. Listen, God has power for you. And you know what? It's not, it's not, it's not going to ever be turned off. He has power for you. He has power for me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. His power, he wants to close us just with, we're in our notes now. And we read about it in this text. The thing to me that is so shocking, and I need to be careful because I really do love the body of Christ. And I never want to say anything uh, to harm the Lord's body, the church. But it is amazing to me also that many people in Christendom don't even know there's any power. And so they live an intellectual Christianity, um, seeing how much they could learn. Now, while I'm all into learning, we need to learn, we need to grow, but there, you need the power, the resurrected power of, of Jesus in your life. 
You can't teach demons. Some of you know full on what I'm talking about. They, they don't learn too well. And so this whole text is about clothing his disciples and actually clothing us with power. Come on, lift a, lift a right hand or a left hand and say, God, clothe me with power tonight. Come on, say it like you mean it. One, two, three. Clothe me with power tonight. All right, so let's look at this text. Jesus has appeared to his disciples, and, um, you know, it's, it had to be terrifying, and he just appeared. Uh, he didn't walk through a wall here. It, it just says that he appeared. So they're can you imagine you're talking, and all of a sudden, poof, um, it's Jesus. Terrifying experience. I have had some experiences where I've seen what I believe to be angels just all of a sudden disappear. I wasn't staring right at them when it happened. I looked away for a second, looked back, and they're gone. I mean, they just pulled some, like, heavenly Houdini trick. I don't know how they do that. Just disappeared. Jesus just showed up. He appears. And verse 42, he asked them for a piece of broiled fish. And I, I kind of wonder, now we didn't read this the whole rest of the chapter, but he leads them out and then he ascends. And he's got a glorified body, so that's different than, than, than an earthly body, but he still eats, eats the fish. I'm kind of curious about the fish. I'm just saying, when he ascends, what happened to the fish? He ate it. Okay. Glorified fish, I guess. Anyway, he's God. He can do whatever he wants to. And he opened up their minds. This is a fascinating scripture. It reminds me when he talks with the men on the road to Emmaus. He opens up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Wow. So they could comprehend the scriptures. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to tell you that you can read the word all your life and never have your heart and your mind illuminated, opened up to the truth and reality of the scriptures. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the couldn't see, the wouldn't see, couldn't see. They were blind to the reality of Isaiah 53. In their mind, they were so set that they were going to have a Messiah that was going to come and drop kick Rome on out and restore peace and, and begin to rule. They had the second advent or the second coming of Christ in their minds of Isaiah 53. So they thought when the Messiah was going to come, he's just going to whoop everybody and then rule and reign, and they would be his people. That's going to happen. That's, that's coming. But not the first time. That's not how it was. He was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, but they were blind. 2 Corinthians 3, look at verse 14. But their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Verse 15. Even to this day when Moses is read. Now when he says when Moses is read, this is Paul writing the Corinthian church. He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the law. When the law is read, even to this day, when Moses or the law is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That is a supernatural thing. Now, I will tell you that I heard the Word of God from in the earliest ages. Going to Catholic Church and then Presbyterian Church and on and on and on. I heard the Word. I heard the Word in high school. Something happened to me in high school when I heard the Sermon on the Mount. 
And I heard that you knock and the door will be open. Seeking you shall find. I, I heard these scriptures. I remember I was about eight rows back. I was a sophomore in high school. And we had a dead chapel every single, every single day. Every day. You know what I mean by dead? Come on, Proverbs says, the man who wanders out of the way of understanding will rest in the congregation of the dead. There is dead church. There's a place where there's no life. No one's getting born again. Nobody's getting healed. But the word goes forth, and the word isn't dead. No matter, no matter what dead person, spiritually speaking, might read the word, the word is alive. And when this person who, who I think was actively involved in, in, in alcoholism and bound and, and really hurting themselves, when they read out of Matthew, and I heard, knock, seek, ask, you know, I heard that, it just hit me, and I remember looking at my classmate, we didn't have cell phones back then, I was going to Google it if I did, but I didn't have that. I looked at him and said, what does that mean? He says, what? I said, what does that mean, what he just said? He goes, I don't know. I go, whoa, something happened, man. I was like, I swallowed something. Seeking you shall find. Knock on the door will be open. It stayed with me. It's a saving scripture for me later on. But at, at that moment, it was veiled. I knew it. It was a spirit hit me, and I knew it meant something deeper than, than somebody just reading some bunch of words. The cross really didn't mean all that much. But when I got born again, when I gave my heart to Jesus, when I gave my life to Christ, when I repented of my sin and believed on the Lord that he died on a cross and he rose again from the grave, when I did that, the veils came off on me like... Everywhere I went, it was a, I saw crosses on people's necks. I saw crosses in doors. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You might see them on the way home now. I saw, I saw telephone poles as crosses everywhere I went. It's like, there's another one, and there's another one. They're in my hands, too. I mean, it was like, it was just so incredibly supernatural, and it just freaked me out, man. I'm like, whoa, the cross, it's real. He died for me. He rose again for me. Oh, my sin has been taken away. It's thrown us as far as the east is from the west. Up until that moment, I was completely blind. But when someone turns to Christ, listen, you might have read the Bible all your life, but if you're not born again, then very, very, very much possible that you're not going to see. You won't see it. After I got saved, man, all the scripture was just like jumping off the pages. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. In the Greek, what that says, or what that means is, where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord, then there's freedom. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit operating not just in a back room. We'll have that too. It'll be here also. Jim, God wrote revival on your heart so long ago. You've been touched by, by the power of God. And there's, both of you have. And there's no mistaking it. And you'll never be able to get away in a good thing. It's, it's, it's like when you had a gourmet meal, you just can't settle for peanut butter and jelly anymore. And the Lord is touching you and he's anointing you in a fresh way. I'm so glad you're here tonight. God's led you to lead children into revival. You've seen amazing things. It's the Lord. It's God. It's God. Where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord, then there's freedom. If the Holy Spirit is put in some box or not even spoken about, then you're not going to have freedom. Or you won't have the fullness of it. Can I say it that way? 
I believe there's a church that's rising full of passion and full of zeal. I believe that there's a people that are rising that are, don't want to have some pablum, but actually want to walk in an intimacy with Christ and to hear his voice and obey. I believe that God is raising up a remnant. I believe that God is raising up a people, a people that know how to break through, a people that know how to hear his voice, a, not a religious people, not a people that are just, you know, led to the slaughter through some false idolatry and false teaching. No, there's a there's a there's no multiverse. I believe God's igniting people's hearts for the word of God. You know, I think about John the Baptist. When I was preparing this message this afternoon, I I kept seeing this picture of John the Baptist and I kept hearing I kept hearing that I, I didn't go look up the scripture. I probably should have, but I kept hearing the, the Lord say, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? I said, oh, well, I know the answer. I know the rest of that scripture. And he said, Jesus says, what did you go to the wilderness to see? Did you go see a man who's easily blown? Did you go to see a man of like a reed? Did you go to see some sissified preacher? No. He was a man full of courage. He went and got his head cut off. No, no, no. They went to see somebody that had boldness, somebody that had fire. All the church, you know, all the, all the business ideas and all the church planting ideas and, and all of the ideas they talk about how to grow churches and grow ministries and stuff, most of them are bunk. Most of them are a bunch of, um, you know, the lights and all of that. They're cool. We like them because we've been fascinated and seduced even by by the entertainment industry because there's been a lack of fire and power in people's lives. So instead of, you know, hearing a voice on the day of the Lord that says, come up here and I'll show you something higher, I'll show you the things to come, John, you know, we settle for Netflix as opposed to having, am I just preaching to myself? I'm certainly preaching to myself. So John the Baptist was a burning, shining lamp who declared Jesus and, and, and preached a baptism of repentance. Jesus said, did you go out to see a reed blown by the wind? Did you go out to see a man full of fine, in fine clothes? Church growth techniques, listen, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. And in your own heart, you have to settle it. Don't make excuses for why things aren't growing, why things aren't changing, why you don't have breakthrough, why there's no healing, and let it move you to becoming hungry and clothed with power. Your hunger, if sincere, will cause you to be ha happily to be like a fool in the face of your peers in order to receive a fresh mantle and a fresh baptism. The same old cute Christianity thing ain't going to get it in this hour. I'm just telling you. It's just not. Listen, I'm preaching to myself. Please don't think I'm just preaching to you. I've been spurred. I feel like somebody just, you know, kicked me in the hinder parts and said, you need to get after me. Just to, come on, son. I got more for you. You can get so, you know, most pastors get logged down in administration and stuck in offices and really don't ever end up with much anointing power and fire. So we got to bring some evangelist in. I'm not going to do that. We'll bring the evangelist in, but I'm not much of an administrator anyway. I'm a leader. I can lead. I can make decisions. But we'll, I need like three or four administrators cleaning up the visionary mess I could make. God made me that way. I'm going to stay that way. Somebody say hallelujah. You need, to, you need to staff and pull people around you that can help you. Thank God Pastor Karen's here because if she wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to find my rear end with two hands and a servant team.
I know that though. Now I'm praying that the gift would be cultivated and grow. But many people, many people try to move to the intellect because they don't have any fire, they don't have any power. Now there can be anointed teaching that can break open a region. There's no doubt about that. But there's many that just relegate to becoming an intellectual, the pride of the mind. And so they'll, they'll, they'll gather a bunch of facts and, 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 and even spiritual truth to wow people through some, you know, some theological revelation. But really, theological revelation doesn't do anything for you. In fact, it's not real revelation unless it causes a revolution. Theological revelation causes a revolution in you and will move to move you to get your carcass out of bed and get to prayer. It'll move you to studying in the word and praying in tongues and drawing on God and letting him feed you. It'll move you to say, if you don't open my mind to understand the scriptures, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know there's more and I'm not going to settle for pablum. I'm not going to settle for the intellect and pride of the mind. Oh, I need to be clothed with power. I think I yelled my whole last message on Sunday night. Did you have to get so excited? Now, if you stuck your finger in 223 phase, honey, you'd be electrocuted. Now, somebody says, it's a bunch of emotionalism. Oh, shut it. You get excited about chocolate cake and you can't get excited about God. Get excited, get excited about a pig skin, about a pig skin going through a set of uprights. Lose your mind, paint your face, and wear a hat that's made out of cheese. And lose your mind over a pig skin. Oh, but God forbid you get excited about Jesus. I will yet become more undignified before the Lord. He saved me. He delivered me. He set me free. I was bound. I was bruised. I was addicted. And Jesus came. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Get back. It ain't about the multiverse. It's about the Holy Ghost and power, fire, anointing, revival. People cast off restraint. I'm like off my notes. So if you feel like you're lost, I don't know where we are either, but I'm glad that God does. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the power of the Spirit. You say, there's something lacking in my life. Or have you been baptized in the Spirit? Are you clothed with power? You know, I just believe, I was saying to somebody else, and I certainly don't want to make a blanket statement about it, but when that, when that earthquake came, I think you really get to find out whether you're Spirit-filled or not. In the midst of great chaos, potential tragedy, and loss of life, you get to see what fire you got on the inside of your belly, or the lack thereof. And that's a, that's a great thing. Come on, we ought, to, we ought to soberly look at our lives and realize, hmm, I don't think I've ever led anybody to Jesus, at least not in the past 10 years. Well, there's something wrong with that. I'm, I, I don't really even read my Bible. I have a promise box that I look at occasionally. Listen, there's another level. There's more. Come on, say, look at your neighbor and say there's more. 
All right, he opened their mind. We like, we're at the very top part of my notes, Jesus, help me. This service tonight is going to go to 1130, so I'm just kidding. Look at C. He gives them a vision of what they'll be doing. Guess what? It's a vision of what we're all supposed to be doing. Verse 47, and repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Now, I shared, I shared this, uh, I believe, on Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock service. It's growing. Love the one in Jesus' name. And <laughs> hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. What am I preaching on right now? Uh, oh, yeah. Witnesses. So the guy who went to that island off of, I believe it's off of India, and they was told, you don't go there because they're going to kill you. They kill everybody that goes to the island. He's an ORU graduate, as I understand it, Old Roberts University. And he found out that that is one of the unreached people groups in the earth. Now, you didn't hear this on CNN either. And he felt like the Lord said, if you will go and reach them, you will quicken my return. Now, that's an absolutely biblical idea. Now, I'm not feeling called to go take a canoe over there myself. But he believes that God spoke to him. So he coerced fishermen who broke the law. He must have had some kind of power of persuasion on him because everybody that brought him over there, do you all know this story? They all know they weren't supposed to and got in big trouble. But he must have had something on him that made them do it. That's what I think. I think it was more than just money. More than just a little boat ride to the, the island that kills you. And he went there. I'm going to tell you something. I think that young man, Oral Roberts University, I think he preached his brains out when he hit that sand. Boy, I think he just turned that loose and called on God as they were throwing spears on him and told them about the love of Jesus before he breathed his last. What courage. Somebody said, well, he shouldn't have done that. Who are you to say? Who do, you, who do you think you are to try to point to somebody and say, well, you are illegal? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's okay. I have to be careful the way I say it. I should quote Bob Rogers that way. Uh, if you're offended, you can call him. Okay. When they're sneaking Bibles into China, he says to me, just a matter of fact, and he, he was one of the first ones that brought Bibles in, in in these recent years. He was one of the first ones into Russia when the wall came down. He's a great man of God. I had the privilege of spending time with him. And he said this to me. He said, when you're sneaking Bibles into those places, it's perfectly fine to lie. I thought, all right. <laughs> perfectly fine to lie to get the gospel to a lost people group. Lying to pagans and to, you know, I don't know. Guess we'll find out when we get to heaven. Liars go to hell, though, so it's a little confusing for me. All right, all right. That doesn't mean, you know, you, you're lying to your wife about being at the bar. That's not, that's not the higher law. I was praying. I was preaching the gospel. I just, ah. Yeah, no. Drunkards go to hell, too. Amen? Praise God. All right. God is raising up a generation of not reeds, and, uh, and, and it ain't about fine clothes either. 
And if you see the impact of John the Baptist, it wasn't about the nice clothes and the skinny jeans and the, and the cute shoes and the Jordans. It wasn't about the sick, high-def screen that was behind him or the amazing sound in the worship. It wasn't about how the, you know, the amazing worship set they had. I don't even think they had a worship set, John the Baptist. He just preached. He just brought it. He just declared, behold, the Lamb of God. He said, I must decrease. He must increase. There was something about his ministry so much so that, that, that Paul, when he's traveling, I mean, hundreds of miles. I looked it up once. I didn't do it tonight. But you go look at where John the Baptist's ministry is and where he meets those from Ephesus. Dude, we're talking a huge swath of, of territory. John the Baptist, without face plant, without any of that stuff, Facebook, I mean, without Instagram, without twitting, tweaker, and all of that, and YouTube, didn't have any of that. Listen, I use all of that. I think we should use stuff for influence. But I'm saying, John the Baptist didn't have any of that, but he had the spirit and the power of Elijah. That's what he had. He's the last Old Testament prophet. And he, and, and he, he didn't look cool. Loincloth. I mean, you wouldn't want to see anybody preaching a loincloth up here. It would not be allowed. Amen. And, and, and if you think you're going to come and do an illustrated sermon of John the Baptist, it ain't happening. You're going to get some clothes on. Some of you need to get some clothes on anyway. Did I say that? Pastor Karen told me to say that. And then his diet. Locusts. Pretty repulsive. Everything he did... A church growth person would say, you're an idiot. And yet, he was fulfilling the plan and the call of God. Now, I, I think you should wear deodorant. I do think you should brush your teeth. I don't know about eating locusts. Maybe when you're fasting, a John the Baptist fast, locusts. My point is, is that something happened to John where he fulfilled the role of the prophet of the spirit of the power of Elijah and returning the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. And he did it without modern media. He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. How much more this generation? The key to this passage is verse 49. Look there with me. Behold. Everybody say behold. Okay, say it all biblical-like. Behold. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, hmm, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Now, I preached a message not that long ago about the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, I called it Pickled Christians. I don't know if that was the title of the actual message, but, but Jesus talks about being filled. He talks about being clothed. He talks about being endued. He talks about being baptized, and you really can't get an idea. I mean, what does all of that mean? Filled, clothed, baptized, what is all that? He's describing a supernatural event that will take place in the heart of a believer, and that event is what's called the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. A separate work from salvation. Now, you can't get, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit, but there's a, a baptism, a pickling. 
We talked about in that message, and it's online, and it's, uh, you can download it. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. We talked about cucumbers and how a cucumber put in a vat of solution with the right ingredients turns into a pickle. That, that solution saturates the outside, saturates the inside, works all the way through until the cucumber is so soaked and so saturated and marinated. It's not even a cucumber anymore. It's a that's what it is to be a spirit-filled Christian. You have the Holy Spirit on you, in you, filling you, and it shouldn't just be a one-time event. It, it, it really shouldn't. And that's what he's talking about here. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Wow. Look at, look at number two. Stay in the city. You know, a lot of people are went. In other words, they went. They weren't sent. They were went. A went is somebody that doesn't stay in the city and they go without the power. You can probably do that in Western culture. Do not do that in third world demonized, you know, places because it won't, in fact, it won't turn out good in Western culture either. There's more people dropping out of the ministry. I mean, if you read stats on how many pastors quit and throw in the towel, you know what? I, I, yes, God help us. May the Lord help us. I'll tell you what he wants to help us with. He wants to help us with fire. He wants to help us with power. You know, somebody said, oh, Pastor, you're going to burn out all those services? You're going to burn out? <laughs> no way. How can I burn out? He's the one that's, that's sustaining me. And then if I get to a place of being too weary, I take a nap. I get prayed up. He leads me. He guides me. I, I know how to burn out. I almost did it once. One time. I was out of order. Violating my, violating my Sabbath rest, violating all kinds of principles. I'll never do it again. Pouring out. I had a Messiah complex years ago. My wife could tell you about it. Pouring myself out to help everybody when Jesus was trying to become their Lord and I was getting in the way. And, and I had a prophet sit me down in the room. It was one of the great rebukes. I mean, it was really like, the prophet calls me up and says, I need to come over to your house with you and your family. I thought, uh, okay. Now, my house had not a stick of furniture. We had beds, though, right? But we had no furniture. Beautiful, nice carpet. Nothing in the dining room, nothing in the living room, nothing in the kitchen, basically, except, you know, the ability to cook food. We had some beds. That's it. So, you know, the prophet comes over. We welcome into this beautiful house that had nothing in it because we had no money. But we had, the, we had a nice house that God gave us for inexpensive. So we sat down on the carpet. I will never forget it. And he says to me, I'm going to rebuke you. I thought, great. He says, you know, I've been watching you since I've been here, and I want you to know something. You see all these people right here? And he points to Karen and my two children. They were babies back then. He says, they will be with you the rest of your life. Now, you know all those people you're killing yourself for down at the church? Five, ten years, you're probably not going to know any of them. My wife starts crying. Ooh. Oh, yeah, because I was destroying my family. Why? Why was I doing that? I think I had some unhealed places, a man-pleasing spirit probably. I'm not saying we don't pour out for our congregation. Oh, we will, and we do, and I'm, not, I'm no hireling, I'll tell you that. But I cannot destroy my family while doing it. And the power of the Holy Spirit will lead you, guide you, direct you. It's a governor on, it's a governor on me. You know, it's my anniversary tomorrow, 21 years. Right, I'm not... I'm going out to dinner. I'm taking the girl out to a nice dinner. Here, flowers. They're not for me, but, but here. <laughs> what are you saying? 
I'm telling you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I highly advise that you don't just launch out into the deep without the fire, without the power. I'm talking about staying in Jerusalem. What are you saying? I'm telling you, if you don't have fire, you don't have anointing, if you're not baptized in the Spirit, quit making theological arguments for the lack of power and in, uh, impotency that you have spiritually. And get some for God's sake. I'm telling you, you can have as much as you, you cannot overdose on the Holy Ghost. There are no toxic levels in the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's coming on the keys. We might have church now. Watch out. Just the black keys again. All right. Stay in the city till you're clothed. I, I got to move on. Wow. Let me read you some scripture. Acts 1 and 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. You say, well, we don't live in Jerusalem. No, we don't live in Jerusalem. So where do you live? You live in Wasilla. You live in Palmer. You live in Houston. You live in Big Lake. Wherever you live. Wherever you live. Get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The fire and the power of the Holy Spirit should fall in your house, in your car. Don't, don't, don't relegate moves of the power of God to a church experience. Some of the greatest encounters I've had in the Lord have been in the most unusual places. You love this story. It's a Molokai story. It was a Molokai with Pastor Robert. He was taking my place shortly thereafter, and I was going to leave and go to Kauai. We had put a radio station up. We, it was the only radio station, I think. Is it still the only radio station? Anyway, radio station on, on Molokai. And we put it up. It's a low-power FM station that was only supposed to go about six miles, but instead it covers just about the entire island, which is amazing. And, and on, on good days, it goes all the way over to Honolulu and reaches thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So we put this radio station up, and uh, it was broadcasting all over, and we went to the gym to work out. And while we're at the gym we would take control of the radio. How many of you know the take control of the radio like at work, the gym maybe? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You take control like you, you put on your music. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So we're there working out, and we were bigger and got there first, and so we took control of the radio and put our Christian radio station on, which is totally Holy Ghost. I mean, spirit-filled music, amazing. Is there a difference between spirit-filled music and unspirit? Yes, for sure. I could tell you within seconds of hearing it. Why is that? It's not something about me. It's just discernment. You can feel life and you can feel, you can feel the lack of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you understand what I'm saying. All right. I know some of you raised your hand and you're just faking it. But I'm just telling you, God, there is a power available for you. So the power of God hits the gym. I mean, there we are with our dumbbells. We're, we begin to weep me and Pastor Robert, and, and there was a couple other guys in that gym that come in after us. We begin to weep, and the, I mean like a measure of the glory. I don't mean like our hair, hair is just standing, and then we're like, oh, Holy Spirit. No, I mean like, whoosh. We're not training anymore. We're crying in God's presence, and other people start weeping and crying, and one guy screamed and ran out. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God coming so strong. You say, is that, is that biblical? Oh, yes, it is. 
We had, in fact, I was afraid of uh, sitting. I had to get, we got low. We got low. I got down on the mat. I just wept and then just kind of lifted. And this, there was only one guy left in the gym. And he comes over to us and says, you guys are pastors, right? I said, yeah. He says, I need help. I need help. My marriage is destroyed and she's cheating on me and I'm on drugs. I need help. We led him to Jesus. He got saved. That's not a church, that's a gym. That, that is what should happen. The prophets and the men of God, the women of God of old were called by God when they're outside, almost every one of them. Now don't say my church is outside, then you never go to church. That's not biblical either. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. My what? My, my witnesses. The power is to witness and to resist the devil. Amongst other things. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth. The text is fulfilled in the book of Acts. Are you there in your notes? I've got to hurry. I've, I've gone long. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, we were all there gathered in one accord in one place, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Upper room is someone's house. It's a life group. It's someone's home. Do you have a table at your house? Okay, it's an upper room. Do you have a room at your house? It's an upper room. You don't have a house. Stick around, pray, tithe, God will give you one. I'm telling you, everyone needs to have an upper room. It doesn't need to be a special war room, although I think that's cool. I think every room should be filled with the Spirit. Just like every chamber of your heart should be. Verse 3. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 8, watch this now, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, verse 15, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so wait. Persecution comes, and Stephen goes to Samaria, and he, they receive the word of God. Do you know what that means? They receive, they receive Jesus. In fact, earlier on in the text, it says they receive Jesus, they're baptized in water, and there's many signs and wonders and miracles. But here in the text, it says they come, and they had not been baptized in the Spirit. So are they saved? According to the text, they received the word. That means they're saved. They're repented. They believe, but they've not been clothed with power just yet. Listen, I've had people leave the church over it, and I would never want to have that happen. But I'll stand before the living God on the day of judgment to give an account for how I've taught you. And I'm telling you, there's fire and there's power available for you. Bigger than any drug, bigger than alcohol, bigger than your ex-husband, ex-wife, bigger than every problem that you face, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. I could go on and on in testimonies of how God showed up and angels showed up and how he spared us and saved us and provided for us over and over. Listen, if there's not a dimension of the unexplainable in your life, in other words, you can't explain your journey to a certain aspects of it or like, man, God showed up or something because then, then maybe, maybe something's wrong. 
Wasilla and the surrounding area, I believe the earthquake is a sign. So I don't know if it's from the devil or from God, but I'm just going to tell listen, I'm, the glass is half full. And it's on the way to fill. It's sunrise. I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist because God's on the throne and the devil has been defeated. And I believe even though some horrible things happened and houses and trinkets and things were crashed and some homes were moved off of foundations and thank God no one died that we know of. Hallelujah. There's a lot of loss, a lot of fear. But God will work it for good in Romans 8, 28. That we know that, though, that God will work for good those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's not all good for everybody, but it is all good for those that love him. I believe it's a prophetic sign that there's a great shaking coming to our land, coming to our nation. There's a political shaking that's taking place. There's shaking in the high schools. I've been around. I, I want to tell you something. It's like a, a zombie. It's like a zombie apocalypse. Drive anywhere in America. Listen to me. Maybe you've just been here in Alaska and I... I and, and thank God, you're blessed. Praise the Lord. I've traveled a little bit, and I'm telling you, it's like a zombie apocalypse. What do you mean? People just so medicated. Uh, America you, consumes like 80% of medication drugs, prescription drugs, 80% of the world's medication. I read that. I don't know if it's true. I see people walking around like zombies and methamphetamine and, and addicted, messed up. Fatherless homes, broken marriages, broken kids. Enough's enough already. When, when is the church of the living God going to rise up and realize we got more power than crystal meth? You got more power. You got more power than alcohol. You got more power than sin. Where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. God's looking for a people. God, come on, you've got more power than the thrill you're getting out of that adulterous relationship. You're, I am preaching to somebody up in here. You're, there is more power, more authority, more joy and fulfillment by obeying God and receiving everything that he has than running around and doing that mess that you're all up in. There is someone here there is someone here you are in adultery you are playing around and i'm telling you it's like the fig tree that was dug around just one more year lord don't kill it yet just one more year your year's about up do you understand what i just said i don't know who you are it's not for me to point you out if that rung true repent before you get removed god doesn't do that you believe in the multiverse too watching too many movies. I'm going to go encourage myself with Brother Toby back here. I'll be right back. Praise God. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church? Lift your hands all across this place. Come on, ask him to give you some fire. Ask him to give you some anointing. Ask him to endue you. Come on, haven't you had enough? Have you had not enough? Come on, there's power available for you. It's true. Resurrection power on the inside. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, ask him for it right now. I can't hear you. Come on, ask him for it. Hallelujah. Fill us. Charge us. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Let me finish. Acts 9. Talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10. Talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19. I love this. Acts 19 verse 1. 
And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Wow. If you ask somebody that, if you're just, you know, traveling and you meet somebody from the firstborn church of Zion, and you ask them that question, that is potentially offensive. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Why would the Apostle Paul want to offend somebody like that, Pastor Barry? Why? Why would he? Why would he do that, Pastor Vince? Pastor Gill? Why would he do that? Why would the Apostle Paul be willing to offend? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Because it wasn't offensive. Because it was so incredibly important that if they didn't have that, he probably knew they wouldn't make it. So he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you first believed? Whoa, what a question. Oh, we don't do that now because we don't hurt anybody's feelings. I'm okay with hurting your feelings. Because I want you to win. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to walk in fire. I don't want the devil using you like a pull toy. I don't want the devil manipulating you and you subjecting yourself to being, you know, intoxicated through medication or, or all stuck up in the pride of the mind. You need the fire of the Holy Ghost. You need the fuego, the mas fuego of God. You need the fire. You need the fire. All right, how to be clothed with power. I'm almost done, but I know some of you really administrative, diligent note-takers are looking for these last six points. <laughs> a, obey. Obey, obey. Obey, obey, obey his word, obey him. Don't, don't, what's the opposite of obey? Disobey. Obey, obey God, obey His Word. Everybody say obey. Secondly, or B, have expectancy. Have what? Expectancy. I've, I've shared this illustration. I've gotten on so many airplanes now. I just, it's not really all that thrilling. And I'm just like, here we go on another airplane. I do the same thing. I walk through. Lord, bless the Lord. Thank you for this plane. As I get on, Lord, you still want me on it. Thank you, Jesus. And, and I, I move on. I ask Him. If he, I'm always checking right before I get on. And I anoint the door. Oh, we got to do the same thing every single time. And I walk in and I look and I, I survey the, the, the pilots, say hi to the stewardesses or the attendants rather, and then I move to my seat. You ever see a 10-year-old get on a plane that's never been on a plane before? They have lost their minds. Hi, and they're like, "Oh, hi, sweetheart. Do you want to see the cockpit? Yeah, yeah." And and the pilots are, "Oh, come on in, son. Maybe you'll be a pilot one day." And he's like, "Oh," and he's looking at it, and they give him a little set of wings, and they pin it. That's expectancy. When I go into planes, I don't have much expectancy. Some people have been coming to church so much; it's just like you're just getting on the same old ride again. Ain't no big deal. Well, we're just gonna. Well, I gotta go to church today. No, you ain't gonna get any fire that way. When you're expecting. I was at a conference just recently and I ran out of gas. Physically, spiritually, I was out. The only problem was I had more ministry to do. That's a big problem. Okay. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm not feeling good, so you could just go on without me. How many of you? I was like, you know, I was playing the role of kind of like a quarterback, so. Uh, 
can you throw in the second string quarterback? I've got to stay home. That wasn't happening. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Are there any quitters in here? You like quitting? A quitting's a four-letter curse word to me. So I'm just like, well, I can't quit. I wanted to. I tried to. In fact, I figured it out so I didn't have to carry the load. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You rationalize stuff, and you're like, that'll work. And then the Lord says, uh, son, leaders lead. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay. Leaders lead. That means I'm going. I'm going to go do it. Hallelujah. I mean, it was, you know, long days, three or four days, 12-hour days. It's the third day, exhausted, jet lagged, all the excuses. I get in my car, and in my mind, I'm just thinking, like, this is totally impossible. I'm, I'm in trouble. I start driving, and I just, no, 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 no. I'm going to pray in tongues, and you're going to have to give me something because I got nothing. So I'm going to pray in tongues, and you just do what you do. So I just started praying in the Spirit. I just started praying in the Spirit, and it was like I swallowed. It's like I swallowed a bomb. It's like I swallowed a fireball. By the time I got to the church, I felt better than I did the entire weekend. I got out of my truck. I'm like, oh, Frank, let's do it. Yes, the guy, the guy laughed at me. The guy, the security guy's all, hey, Pastor Brock. I'm like, what's up? Oh, it's going to be good tonight. Oh, yeah. I could just feel it. I got anointed. In fact, the Apostle Paul saw anointed as actually being filled with the Spirit. Listen, tongues is more than a theological message. You need, you need it. Expectancy. What? Expectancy. Number three, praise God. Everybody say praise God. How to be clothed with power. Obey. Live right. Live holy. Obey. Two, have expectancy. If you've not been filled or you want to be filled, again, expect to be and position yourself. Come on, he's not a child abuser. If you, being evil, when your son asks you for bread, you being evil, are you going to give him a stone or a serpent? No. How much more your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. I'm preaching better than your amen. And look at four. Have hands laid on you. Where's that about? I don't know. But it's in scripture all over the place. Ministry of laying on of hands. Laying on of hands can be bad also. Being arrested, they laid hands on him and they brought him to prison. That's not good. That's not the good kind of hands he want laid on you. Laying on of hands where there's ministry released power, impartation released, healing released, and it doesn't have to happen that way. When, when I said, Peter, he's preaching? It's Peter, right? Peter. He's preaching, right. And he didn't lay hands on anybody. He's just fire. They all prayed in tongues. He didn't lay hands on anybody. He's just preaching. So it doesn't have to have hands laid on you, but we see that model in there too. Have hands laid on you. E. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you in tongues. What? How do I do that? Let me just make it simple, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, and I'm done, but we're certainly going to pray for those who want prayer. Have you ever made up a song before? Okay, so it's allowing sounds and syllables that are not a known language to come forth out of your spirit. That's weird. Actually, what's weird is not having that. We've been... We've just been medicated by the Western world and science to say if it does, if you can't put it through the scientific method, then it doesn't exist. That's absolutely not true. 
Uh, we believe in resurrection power. We believe in raising the dead. We believe in healing the sick. We believe in setting the captives free. We believe that if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the grave and we confess our sins, then when we die, poof, heaven. We believe that. That's, that you can't really put a scientific method to that. That's called faith, confident assurance of what you cannot see. So praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, they are synonymous, meaning it's the same thing. You pray in the Spirit so you can sing in tongues. You can, you can sing in the Spirit. It's the same thing. The Apostle Paul said, speak to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's spiritual songs that come forth from the Spirit. Now, ontologically, let me define that. Ontological is the study of spiritual spatial realities. So, your spirit is not the Holy Spirit, but economically they can operate as one. Did you catch that? So you are not God that forgot. There is no multiverse. Liars go to hell. Are you getting this tonight? All right. The Holy Spirit will fill you, fill your spirit. You're, you're made right with God through receiving His death and resurrection. Then when you obey and you ask him to fill you. In fact, I, I know people that have been filled that didn't ask. I mean, it's not like a hardcore recipe to it, but we do see some, some commonalities to people being filled. Obedience, living holy, made a decision for Jesus. Uh, what's my other point on there? Praise, praising God. Where are we? Have hands laid on you. Expectancy. These are some of the things that you that help you to get filled with the Spirit. Have hands laid on you. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you with tongues. Okay, if I want to, let me say, let you. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Everybody say, let the Holy Spirit. Okay, if I want to stop talking right now, I can. Ready? Here, let me say a sentence without saying it. It'll be in my head. You know, I love when that happens. <laughs> so I go to make up a sentence, but the Lord speaks to me and said, and he said this. He's thanking me that I obeyed in preaching the message, and he says, I'm going to mark this house with my power and my fire, and it'll be known for the glory of God. Keep preaching. Does that mean I get to go to 1130, Lord? I want to be sensitive to your time. You have to let the Holy Spirit speak. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm allowing words to come forth. I'm letting air come over my vocal cords. I'm forming them as I've learned to speak the English language. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have to partner with God. You have to... And, and there's all kinds of blockages. I've seen people whose who's grandmother, long-time cessationist Baptist. That's not of God. If you pray in tongues, it's from the devil. So then they have people in their mind, they'll come into a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost uh, church like this one and, and just be like, there is no, I love the Spirit, I love what's going on here, but there is no way I'm violating Grandma. And because of loyalty to family, which I think is absolutely amazing and it's a godly quality, but don't be loyal to that which is a lie. 
You say, are you calling my grandma a liar? Your gra- God bless your grandmother or your grandfather. But, you know, there's, there's been revelation that's been brought over the years. You know, they didn't, even, they didn't even believe in prophecy all these years ago. In the 60s, there were a whole bunch of, well, there were some, but they called them crazy. Now there's a whole company of prophets. Now, now there's, there's people with apostolic unction. I'm going to run around and go get a card that says Apostle Bozo. I mean, don't do that. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know it was revelation when Martin Luther nailed the thesis on the the door of the church at Wormberg? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's called the Protestant Reformation, where the Catholics had taken away the word of God from everybody, and he said, hey, wait a minute. You can't sell indulgences and people get get to get brought out of uh, purgatory. That's not even in scripture. He'd been doing a study in the book of Romans, and and he wrote out the 95 thesis. He wrote them out, all these reasons that... You know, it's, it's salvation by faith alone. Justification by faith. It's the book of Romans. It was revelation to people. They're like, what? Kill him because they would lose power. The church would lose power, so they wanted to kill him. We need another reformation. Not a reformation like that. A reformation where people begin to walk in their God-given, blood-bought authority and begin to learn to pray and release miracle power and fire and anointing. That's what we need. We don't need more medication. We need revival. We don't need, come on. We need revival in our marriages, revival in our church. We need another great awakening. That's what America needs. America is being shaken by the very hand of God to wake up in these last days out of apathy and let and walk in a new fire and a new zeal. People won't go committing adultery when you're in love with God. When you're on fire with God, you won't settle for the things of time and tradition and medication. When you allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn on the inside of you, you're not afraid of a bunch of shaking. You're not concerned about tomorrow. You know that God's with you and you can make it. You know that God can enable you to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know that you're the head not the tail he's given you another house you know that God will hem you in before and behind he's going to keep you and sustain you and the good work that God began he will complete until the day of Christ Jesus can you shout and clap to God in in the house hey all right stand up on your feet here's what we're going to do Lastly, all you note takers, last point, go into all the world. See, if you just get filled, you have the expectancy, you obey, you praise him, you have hands laid on you, you let the Holy Spirit speak through you, and then that's it. You have wasted good power. It's for a purpose, and the purpose is to go into all the world. The purpose is to resist the devil and sin. That's the purpose. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, let's do this first. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I got five minutes and I'm going to land the plane. For real. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're online, you're here, you're listening over YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You're on our social media. Bow your head all across under the sound of my voice. Bow your head, examine your heart. If you die, God forbid, tonight would be your last night. If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? You could be baptismal waters dripping off your face and go to church every day of the week and still go to hell. 
Jesus would say, get away from me. I never knew you. You must be born again. John 3, you've got to be born again. You're born again by the Spirit when you repent of your sin. He said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? No, it's born of the Spirit. You've got to repent and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that all across this place, again, those online, those listening, every man, every woman, every child, that's you. If you died, you're not certain you would go to heaven. Then you need to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you need to recommit if you did it before but you know you're not living right. You're not confident of going to heaven. All across this place, if that's you on the count of three, you say, that's me, Pastor Daniel, intercessors pray. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. Then on the count of three, slip your hand up. Ready? One, get right with God. Two, three. Do it right now. Lift your hand high. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Online, perhaps. Over video. God bless you. God bless you. All right. If you're serious about it, for real. We never want to embarrass you, but we know this, that if you can't acknowledge loving God and making a decision for Him in a place like this, in front of a bunch of people that already love Him, it's going to be very difficult to do it out there. So if you're serious about it, want to get right with God, first time, recommitment, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I want you to come meet me up here right now. Come on, come. Come on, come. Come Come right here, right here, right here. That changes us, your glory all around us. And we're undone, you open up the heavens. Come on, there's room. So glad. So glad you're here. Come on, you need to come. You know it. Get out of your seat and come to the front right now. Come on. The power is the power of your presence that changes us, your Open up the altar for those who want to get baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You need this gift. You need it to walk in power for wisdom, with the Holy Spirit speaking and praying through you. All right, all across this place, we're going to reaffirm our faith. Those online, you might be praying for the first time. Send us an email if you are. We'd love to help you grow in Christ. Those of you right up front here, are you ready? You ready? Pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Come on, right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I seal that now by the precious blood of Jesus. I pray now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled with the Spirit and you want your prayer language tonight, boldly come out from where you are. Come all the way up to the front. Right now, you can come on right now. Leaders, would you please minister to these folks right here? You want to be baptized in the Spirit. 
Just come to the front, and we're going to pray for you. The power of your presence that changes Just come right on up front. Either side. Around us. And we're undone. You open it's your night. It's your night. Tonight's the night. You hear a message like this. Signs follow the preaching of the word. What signs follow the preaching of the word? Whatever you preach. So if you preach healing, what signs follow the preaching of God's word and healing? Healing. You preach on fire and power. What happens afterwards? Baptism, fire, power. Amen. You need it. He doesn't expect you to do it with lint in your pocket. You can't drive to Anchorage with no gas. You can't hold your breath forever. You need the breath of God. You need the wind of the Spirit of God to help you. All right. We're going to pray for these. Ushers, you'd help us. I want the Dukes to help us. You come, come start all the way over on this side, would you? Pastors, come on. Come and pray. All right. Now, we're going to lay hands on you. Don't pray in English. Allow for sounds and syllables. So let me pray for you before, before my team lays hands. Just hold on one second. Let me pray just generally, and then you go for it. All right? You let sounds and syllables come forth. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray now. Release your power. Baptize these afresh with your Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. Give them the prayer language, praying in tongues. Baptize them right now in Jesus' name with fire. Amen. Go ahead and pray for them.
Somebody say hallelujah. Y'all get prayed for over here. Just get prayed for. All right. Good, good, good. I, I am, uh, it's 9.09, so I, I really want to be sensitive to your time. The Lord has gifted me to help people with this. So if you're kind of stuck and you're like, oh, no, yeah, I got to have it tonight, then just come to the front. I'm going to help you. All right. See, really? Yeah, that's like part of the gifting I got. I'm like a coach for revival. That's kind of what I got it like that. I don't know. I can't administrate. This I can do. All right, so if you need to be, you want, you want your prayer language, you're like, I'm stuck forever. I will help you. You will get baptized in the Holy Ghost praying in tongues tonight. If you don't want it, if you just want to go home, whatever, that's okay. Leave between you and Jesus. No shame, no blame. It's all good. But I'm telling you, Jesus is better than methamphetamines. And the power of the Holy Spirit needs to be put on display everywhere, all throughout your whole life. Come on, depression doesn't have to stay. You can walk in victory. Do you get something tonight? Forgive me for going a little long. Let me bless you. Father, thank you. Okay, so if you're not coming up now, that means that don't come up later. That's now. Holy Spirit. That would be now. Just giving you a second. Because after... I, I'm done. But now, if you come now, that's the later. You know, many people want to come later. It's different later. It's it's now. I'm inviting you now, and I'll minister to you right after the, right after I close in prayer. I can't come later? Right. <laughs> but you keep coming. We'll lay hands on you later. All right? Is that okay? You got to understand about corporate anointing. It's real. It's real. And it's happening now, not 10 minutes from now. All right, I love you. You know that, right? Okay, good. Let me bless you. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. Amen. One more thing. I'll pray for you anyway. But I'm just telling you what I said is also true. I will pray for you. I'm a pastor. I love you. I'll pray for you. But I'm telling you, it's better to come when the fire is full. I will pray for you anyway. Because I love you. I just, I will. All right. God bless you. Go with God. We'll hope to see you. Don't miss everything that's taking place this week. It's amazing. God bless you. Peace.